Listener Production. Hi, I'm Elle Ferguson and this is Sliding Doors, where I chat with inspirational people from the world of fashion and beauty about their sliding door moment. That is, the moment they took a chance or made a life change that led them to where they are now at the top of their game. Having founded my own fashion and beauty brand, The Elle Effect, I know that succeeding in these industries isn't easy. So I'm inviting the people I admire most on the podcast to share their stories, insights, and tips for turning your passion into a career. Hello. Hi. Nice to tell me. I know. Don't you wish we were somewhere fabulous meeting in person? I know. I know. (laughs) My guest today is the incredible Zarina Akers. Zarina is a celebrity fashion stylist turned costume designer, best known for being Beyonce's personal stylist for her 2020 music film, Black is King, where she went on to win an Emmy for costume design. That's right. I'm speaking to an Emmy award winner. Is the Emmy in the house? It is. Oh my the God. Emmy is just like, in the house. This is wild. <laughs> She's the stylist behind the iconic black topper hat that Beyonce wore in the formation video from her visual album Lemonade. Serena is also the founder of Black Owned Everything, a marketplace providing a space for black designers and artists to be recognized. I want to be to proximity to you. I want to have one of those nights where you cook dinner and we have a wine and I'm like, like, what's your dream? I first came across Serena when I fell in love with Michaela Cole's outfit for the Met Gala and the Emmys in 2021. I had to know who created those iconic looks. I found out that it was Zarina, and then I realized that she was actually Beyonce's personal stylist. She's an incredible business owner, a stylist to the stars, and an Emmy winner. And I can't wait to hear how she's done it all. Serena, I am so excited to have this chat with you. So excited. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, so before we get into your story, I love to start with something that I call the fast five. So don't think about the questions too much. Just answer with the first thing that comes to your head. Okay. Okay, They're not that scary. (laughs) They're really easy, I promise. They're nice. They're gentle. All right. Okay, so what's your most played song on your playlist? My most played song on my playlist, um, Good and Plenty, the remix. Nice. Right now. So it's like Lucky Day and Alexis, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Love. Favorite Instagram account? Jess Hilarious. Um, she makes these really funny videos and I like just, it feels like yep. I'm watching like a comedy special. We like that. <laughs> I'm there for that. Okay, three must-have items in your handbag. Laneige lip gloss. My wallet. I travel with my passport always. So I have like a little Goryard phone and it has my passport and all my credit cards. Nice. And the third thing, my cell phone. Yep. Nice. I need to ask for the link for the lip gloss because your lips look really good right now. The Laneige, I get the pear flavored one. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's the, it's the best. Like it's so smooth. It's clean, you know, especially because you're wearing masks. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Stuff. Yeah, no, no, no. And it's just like, it's just the perfect one that, and it stays a really long time. I love these conversations because I feel like I always get tips and tricks off like my girlfriends. It's really good. <laughs> it's like the best part. Okay. What's a destination you're dying to visit on your bucket list? 
Okay. I want to go see the Northern Lights. So oh, yeah. wherever that is, whether it's yeah. like, you know, Sweden, maybe I think would be a good place yeah. to do it. Okay. And lucky last, who would be your ultimate dinner date? <gasps> that was hot. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> I would have to say... Queen Latifah. Nice. I love her. I've always loved her since I was yes. uh, like a child. She was always my my favorite person. Yes. And I think to maybe just sit and have a, a very real conversation would be nice. Yeah. I'll just be at the table over at the back just paying attention. <laughs> okay, so I love starting off like that. Now, for people that are tuning in that don't necessarily know who you are or what you do, would you be able to give us just a quick snapshot of what you do? Okay, I am, I get to say this, so I'm going to say it proudly. I am an Emmy award-winning costume designer. I love it. I've got, like, literally, can I just say, I've got goosebumps, and it is so <laughs> cool. So say it proud, scream it out. Like, but I, I say I am a, you know, fashion stylist, celebrity stylist, turned costume designer, like turned Emmy award-winning winning costume designer, which, which I think is really cool, yeah. you know, to kind of come from one space and like, you know, and, and kind of evolve into, into a new space, which I still feel like yes. I'm doing. Do you pinch yourself when you walk past it or are you like, yep, that's mine? I think it's, yeah, it's so surreal. I think yeah. like even just being able to kind of have or achieve sort of what quote unquote the highest honor, yeah. you know, in that way in film and television um, is, is definitely a surreal experience. I mean, one can dream, yeah. right? And you can always think what if, but for it to happen and happen the way that it did, it's yeah. like, I just... I'm always so thankful. You're living the dream, my friend. <laughs> You're living the dream. <laughs> so how did you get into the industry? How did you first kind of find your feet in the industry that is, I guess, styling? Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, I started, start, let's say it started from the bottom, right? Let's yeah. say I worked in retail stores, you know, worked my way up in the fitting rooms, yeah. you know, becoming denim expert at like Express, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So through college, I did that. And yeah. in school, I landed my first internship at W Magazine. Wow. So that was, I mean, a dream, right? Yeah. So I was in Philadelphia. I would take the bus up to New York three days a week for wow. this internship. But through that, I saw, you know, the many different facets of of the industry because I had no real, I mean, I was, I was from Maryland. I had no real kind of knowledge of how, how what it really took to put together a magazine, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it was a new space. It was a new space to be in, but I went on and... You know, I stayed in touch with the editors. I started freelancing. So that went on to probably spend about three years on and off there yep. working. And then it just kind of grew from there. Worked with different stylists like Camilla Nickerson, yep. Alex White, Lori Goldstein, and then freelance at places like Women's Wear Daily and Harper's Bazaar. And when did you realize you had like a unique talent? So at that point, you know, there's a very strict hierarchy. And I can't, that was at a time where I feel like it was coming off of like the old school and then starting to move into new yeah. school. So like there's a very strict hierarchy at these, at these publications where you're like, you're an intern, you know, you're not giving your opinion. You're not, you know, you're not really flexing any Nothing. real creativity. Right. Yeah. But I think the way at some point that I saw that people were treated, not not at the publication, but like when I started working with stylists individually, I worked with one and I became her personal assistant. And it was just like, this does not quite make sense. <laughs> so I left and landed a job assisting a stylist, Ray Oliveira, 
but he would do more commercial styling. So he would do like TJ Maxx commercials <laughs> and, you know, Avon ads and things like that. And that's when I found the fun. I was like, oh, wow. here are these amazing group of people. They go, they do the work. We're doing the shoots. Everyone's kind to each other. Yeah. We're done by like five, six. I mean, we I was interning. We were doing like 14 hour days. Yeah. You know, I, we were done by like five. It's like, come on. It's, we're not curing cancer yeah, here. Yeah. yeah. And it. then I saw like single women that had their second homes, you know, and yeah. like outside of the city and things like that. It's like they weren't, they didn't have to be married, you know, rich or they didn't have to be, they were able to build a life on their own. Um, and I saw myself in that space and Isn't I was able funny? to then, you know, really practice and hone in on the skill set and really mm-hmm. learn first. You know, I spent a lot of time learning what it is, just pinning, you know, pinning a garment properly, you know, whatever it is, the things that you're supposed to have on a kit. How do you manage yourself on set? Yeah. How to close out a job and manage receipts. It's really that yeah. is the bulk of it, you know, and then you get to be creative. It's funny that you say that because you think like the Harper's Bazaar jobs and like the W Magazine jobs, other jobs that you're going to like learn all these amazing skills, but it's actually the Avon commercial mm-hmm. that you learn. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, at that point, because you get like, I mean, the other publications, there are, you know, the first assistant, the second assistant. By the time you're at the third assistant, the intern and all of that, you're just packing bags and yeah. making sure that everything's accounted for. Right. Yeah. You know, so that's where I, I kind of gained, you know, much more experience and started to kind of listen to myself, myself and my voice. Yeah. I worked with a stylist that was always very supportive and he needed support, too. So, you know, you burn out. So then yeah. I was able to pitch ideas, you know, and then eventually got my first kind of gig on my own doing like something for TJ Maxx or whatever it was. And um, I mean, we do things like that Macy's catalogs. (laughs) I was at Brooks Brothers doing their catalogs for like two years, which was really fun because we would go to a different city every month. Like, so we were in West Palm Beach or in Aspen. We were just shooting all these different places in the States. So that was fun. Yeah. And then I landed my first gig with Beyonce. So that actually was my first client. Really? Yeah. That was my first like independent. I mean, I did like, projects you know what I mean I've gotten hired to do like a a commercial here and there but in terms of like okay this is I'm leading this that was my first one when I I started doing her personal wardrobe that's like wild (laughs) so that would have been your biggest pinch me moment kind of thing in your career up to that point getting that call up yeah I mean yeah and it also it took a while right because I I had did it when I did it I had to do a trial and then I had to do another trial, but I didn't hear from them for like maybe nine months in between. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, really? So I was just, yeah. Like I did one trial, did a second. I would say I saw her wearing the stuff. So that was exciting. But then uh-huh. I just stayed in touch, you know, and I just stayed in touch every month. I would follow up, you know, nothing but just to bump this up back to your inbox and just to, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just stayed in touch until one day they're like, oh, okay, we need you and we need you next week. You know, or we need you, we need you tomorrow, (laughs) you know. Did you know where they found you? Oh, yeah. Um, no, we, well, I had, they didn't find me. Um, I had done things. I had like assisted stylists that worked for her and on projects for her. Yeah. But I met her creative director. One of, it was like a creative assistant. Yeah. And we had dinner at my house and I like young, I, you know, I would cooked, 
couple friends came over. Yeah. One friend, photographer, invited another. And that yeah. was that other friend was Quasi for sure. And yeah. And then everyone left. We stayed talking and just, you know, over wine. Like yeah, and I'm yeah, just telling yeah. him things that I want to do. Yeah. I want to go independent. I want to work on you know, moving myself in a direction where I can have my own thing. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, you know, she's looking, he worked at Parkwood at the time. And he's like, well, you know, she's looking for someone. I mean, come on. I know. Someone says that. <laughs> you're like, yeah, give me a meeting. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting here and I'm like looking at you and I'm like nodding and I'm like imagining you having a glass of wine. You're like, what do you want to do? I'd love to go like, work with Beyonce. It's like, and it's on. like, and it's like, you know, she's looking for someone and it's like, I mean, that would be a dream. (laughs) Give me a meeting. I didn't even have a portfolio because I was assisting so much and I was making money, you know, that I wasn't test shooting all of that. I was just like doing, I was working. So I showed them like a couple things, Polaroids or something. And I love that you're just like, (laughs) and then a board of this was what I would do. And, and somehow, you know, we, we did it. When you put together an outfit, do they give you, did they give you a brief and say like, she needs something for no. this? Or you just put an outfit together? I just, yeah, I just, I just pitched what I thought. Oh my God, I'm dying right be. now. I'm just yeah. like, I love it. Because at that point it was, it was primarily personal wardrobe. Yes. So it wasn't about music videos no. and everything it grew to be. It just was, okay, what are you wearing day to day? Yeah. You know, and at that point, Instagram was becoming a thing. Yeah. And you know, paparazzi and the whole nine. And yeah. it needed to be, it, there was a hole that needed to be filled. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then you did it and then waited nine months to hear anything. Yeah, I did. I gave them like, let's say 14 outfits or something and wow. waited like at least six months. Yeah. Probably closer to nine, I think from top to bottom. But yeah. And just stayed like, I didn't get defeated, you know? No, no, no. It wasn't like, kept- well, they're not gonna, it's just like, Just checking in here, you know, whenever I thought about it and stayed kind of at the top of of the email chain, so to speak. And yeah, yeah. And it just went from there. And you were still doing your jobs on the side. You were still just working normally. I was still working. Yeah, Yeah. I was actually supposed to be on set the day that they called me. I was on set with Macy's assisting another stylist. And I was like, I just got a call to do this. They want me to come (laughs) in on Friday. And she's like, "Okay, so so you're telling me you can't come to set on Friday? Is that what you're that's what I need to know. (laughs) You know, I'm like, yeah and that was that and uh, I never looked back wow yeah and then we did a trial for like a month together we spent the month of actually of the actual work and it's just like okay yeah when you were kind of before you started on that Friday and did that trial can I ask who in your life was kind of supporting the dream because who was like waving your flag in in your world my aunt Zarina, I would say that. So she has constantly been, I was raised by my aunt and my grandma. Love that. And she's constantly been like, no matter what I was trying to do, yeah. she was going to maybe at least, she was going to at least try to financially support it. Yeah. They never, they didn't understand it per se. <laughs> like, I don't, they, everyone family like worked for the government, you know, or something. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It's like, okay, but I'll give you this thing or I'll call you and ask you how it went, yeah. you know, and like what you need to do, what are you going to wear, you know, yeah, things like, like that. A, yeah, support. Yeah. 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 If it's like my computer's messed up, I need you to email this resume or whatever it was. She was down to do any of that. Yeah. I love that. And then what did you do when you called her and said, I'm spending Friday with Beyonce? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone was just, everyone was always, it's always been, my whole family's always been really supportive. I will say that. They've always been really supportive. Um, 
And they, I mean, they, even my first Vogue, like, article, and it was on, like, Vogue.com. Like, they threw a whole party, you oh, know, for I me. And it was that. just, like, it was, like, they just always that. super supportive. That's what you need, though. You need your cheerleaders, regardless if it's, like, on yeah. Vogue.com or if it's your exactly. A1 catalog. Exactly. You need those supporters. So can I ask, what was it like rocking up on, like, the Friday to meet like be with Beyonce to style her out. Like what no, was I mean that that was just then you just do it, right? Yeah. It wasn't about you know her or who she was. It was like okay, now how can I show up? Yeah, and what can I bring to the table? And how do you prepare for that? How do you prepare yourself for that? I mean, this is like we're also talking about. It's like almost ten years ago, you know. Wow. So yeah, I think then what I do now, you know, and what I did then, probably two very different things. Um, yeah, back then. And I just was, I just was moving. Yeah. I just was moving. For, I was putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And that that was all I knew to do, you yeah. know, at the time. Yeah. And you're constantly looking at what she's worn, what she has, hasn't, you know, putting together thoughts, pulling ideas, you know, Vogue, you know, runway, whatever, of things yeah. that I have in mind. Yeah. But at that point, it was such a... No one knew who I was, you know, yeah. no PRs were responding to me. Yeah. They didn't believe me probably no, you know yeah yeah, yeah they didn't yeah. even even when I walked into stores they wouldn't really be nice to me or until I found and if I found the one person that was nice to me I became the top client yeah because they then I'd stay with that one person and I, we would spend droves of money you know but like yeah no it just wasn't it wasn't really much of a thought at that point you're just trying to show up And you're just trying to get it done. It's so funny when you say people just don't even believe you when you send the email. Do you know what I mean? And then you get somebody that takes a chance on you and you're like, oh my gosh, thank you. Yeah. I never forgot those people. No. You know, never forgot those people. So Serena, your sliding doors moment. What was that? Yeah, I would say it was moving to New York. Wow. Moving to New York. I left home at 18. Um, I, I moved to Philly first. So I lived in Philadelphia going to school there. Yeah. And I decided to, once I finished two years, I hit it. I moved to New York, found an apartment, convinced another friend to share it with me and started from there and kind of never stopped. And just hustled from New York. Yeah. Yeah. And I just hustled. So I would say taking that risk um, and relocating. I was the first person and one of the only people to leave home. So my whole family's in Maryland. Wow. Some's in like maybe Atlanta. But, um, and it's something about leaving home. Uh, you get to really see the world and you bring it back with you when yeah. you when you come back. You know, you're bringing back pieces of the world yeah. um, and sharing it. And, and through that, you know, I was able to learn and push myself to learn the hustle, you know, and the grind and not to, and to be fearless in that way. Uh, but then also my family, I've watched so many members like my uncle, he sits and has a conversation with me and then he starts his his own electric, you know, company. Yeah. He's an electrician and he's been working for other people. Oh, yeah. And he's yeah. like, oh, I didn't know I could do this. And he watched me travel. Yeah, and yeah, then he's see, like, you started now the- he has these different contracts and he's like, he's in Brazil. Oh, and wow. then, you know, for like six months and then he's in yeah. India, you know, and he gets to see more. So it's like things like that. That, um, that you know, you can't really measure the reach of. And the impact. Yeah. The impact that it has on people that are around you. But it takes somebody yeah. like yourself to take that change. Yeah. 
So I would love to know about fear because you're somebody that is dressing some of the biggest stars in the world. Is there any fear that creeps in when you're, when you're about to put somebody in this outfit that's going to be judged, even if it's street style or it's an award ceremony or it's a movie? Does fear creep in and how do you get over it? Uh, absolutely. Sometimes I never get over it. And that's the reality. Sometimes there's some things that I look at and I cringe every single, there's parts of Black is King where I'm just like, that was not supposed to be that thing sometimes. But, you know, I mean, it depends on the client, right? Like I've been, I had worked with Beyonce for like seven years. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, like we learn each other. And if I do my work on the front end, then we shouldn't have that many problems on the back end. But it's always like, how is it going to be received? Because at the end of the day, my biggest fear usually lies in that it's not my cross to bear. So when a client goes out onto the carpet and a bad photo is taken or or there's a a wardrobe malfunction or something, they have to live with that. They have to deal with the repercussions of the internet, which the internet, we all know, is sometimes not a fun place to be. So that usually is where most of the anxiety comes from. You know, it's like, how, how is it going to be received? And you just want at the end of the day for that person to just feel good, you know, and feel good about when they, when they walked out of the house, feel good about when they came home and, you know, and got on Twitter, (laughs) you know, it's like they, you want them to feel good and excited and empowered the whole way and not, kind of beaten down and you know so I try my best I want to feel good yeah I try really try my best to put that much energy and effort into it being flattering then you know and if if it has to be a last minute change because they're not comfortable yeah doing that not talking them into doing it anyway yeah listening Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 and through the process where do you draw inspiration from like where are you finding your aesthetic um, I think a number of places, depending on the project. Um, one thing that stands tried and true for me is just that essence of very realness, like mm-hmm. especially as it relates to the black experience. You know, I think there's certain kind of subtle nuances and and very nostalgic things that we've all experienced. But in the moments, we don't quite recognize them as such, like as simple as a pair of bamboo earrings or as simple as a pair of like gold hoop earrings or the the ankle bracelet that maybe your grandmother wore or, you know, things like that. Yeah. And pulling those into these now very fine and refined spaces just creates such an awesome juxtaposition. Yeah. You know, um, and then it raises that experience up in a way that we can then honor it. Yeah. So and then as I continue to study, I try to pull in a lot of spirituality too in my own spiritual practices and and honor whatever it is that I follow in my work. Yeah. yeah. You know, whether that's just the use of a floral print, you know, of a use of a certain color yeah, at a certain moment. Yeah. And then just kind of in interjecting and in, inserting that in that space that that then pulls me into that space. Yeah. You know. Is there a particular style of like fashion or clothes that you're really drawn to, like a period of time or like a vibe that you're like you love and like excites you? Um, 
I, I mean, overall, I'm a very like, I mean, as far as my personal style, I like kind of twisted basics. I like to oh, yeah, nice. experiment and ride the line um, of like androgyny and femininity and power and what, how do you define those things? Yeah. You know, how do you define masculinity or power in a masculine world or a masculine dominant world? Things like that. Yeah. And like, and, and to me, that silhouette dictates that a lot. Uh, in terms of period, obviously the seventies, uh, it's always yeah. been a dream. I'm like a disco queen. Yes. I um, never everyone hear. knows all my yes. friends though. It's like, I'm a disco queen. I mean, yes. King that like, to me, that was like, you know, that, that period was, was King and style and freedom yes. and fun. Yeah. I realize now I'm, I can admit that I'm like a period film yeah fanatic like my friends are always like yeah but you can watch all of this i'm like yeah i love period like period costumes yeah yeah it's one thing to stay true to the period but then really like it like bridgerton for example yeah to bring in like those costumes the, the, use of the colors and then yeah. like the floral print and it's just like oh so stunning it's so amazing and the hair that's like, what i was gonna say the just, hair and makeup yeah, so it takes it to like, like a whole nother uh, level and then you just like fall into this like whimsical world of just i always think that when I watch like old gladiator movies and I look at those like leather harnesses and Mm -hmm. stuff that they're wearing I'm like they're just cool like whoever was taking the time to put the gladiators in like these braces that are just amazing and it's like it's so heavy you can barely wear like a a weight you know as you go on a hike it's like (laughs) oh my goodness oh yeah can I ask favorite um outfit you've ever styled what would that be okay I would say one of my favorites, okay, a recent favorite is Michaela Cole at the Emmys. That was yep. just very beautiful, the color. That was fun to to collaborate on. Yeah. But I, would, I guess I have to say my absolute favorite is Beyonce in the formation hat look. Yeah. The components of the look was, that was the essence of styling. Like yeah. it literally was, the hat was like probably a parody of like a, like a pilgrim hat or something or a Amish hat in at the costume store yeah. uh, that was too big. Can we take like, a moment just to talk about how that happened? Because mm-hmm. I would love the, for everybody just to hear how this moment happened with this hat. Like it was, you know, as I was fitting, I was actually fitting for another video, but I was fitting in the space that they were practicing the formation yeah. Super Bowl performance. So all that, the only thing that's playing is, okay, ladies, now let's get in formation. Even yes. though I'm styling for something else, I think I was styling or fitting for Pray You Catch Me. And at some point, we're trying the look. We get it all together. Uh, I was I was working with a fit model. The hat kept falling. It was kind of tilted back initially. It kept falling over her eyes. But I'm like, I'll just pat it, you know, yeah. in the real time. I would like pat it. So it sits up. But then at some point, it just, it fell over her eyes and it looked kind of cool. And I was like, let me just take a picture like this. I ended up including that photo in the photos that I sent yeah. for to be to review the looks. And she loved the look. And even though I wasn't a stylist on that video, I didn't style the entire video. No. She was like, but I want this look, you know, for this video. I kind of got goosebumps. And she loved it. And yeah. and it worked. And it worked in the, through however the way it was edited. And like for that look to then become almost like a symbol for a mute movement, like... 
you could be playing Pictionary and you can like start drawing it and you, yeah. you know, and like and you can you probably get five lines in and you would yeah. be able to guess it. So Well, it's iconic. Yeah. And then like, but that's, then that was like to be able to create something that will outlive me or, you know, or something that then becomes a symbol, you know, it's not just an outfit. It's not just a look yeah. Yeah. that becomes a symbol, you know, that's when I really realized the power of what we get to do. Um, yeah. And on the platform in which we get to do it, you know. Yeah. yeah. And you don't realize how huge of an impact an ill-fitting hat in a stylist with a fit model is going to make. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's those moments that you don't really realize are the big moments. You know what I mean? When they're happening. And then in hindsight, you reflect back and you're like, like, wow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Which brings me to, can you tell me a little bit more about your e-commerce platform, Black Owned Everything? I'm very intrigued. I would love to know more about that. Yes. Um, so Black Owned Everything is a marketplace for Black owned business. Yeah. You know, summer 2020, I think was a rough one for, for mm-hmm. many of us. Um, and through the movement, you know, there's just sparked a lot of conversation about the Black community, uh, corporate participation in the black community or lack thereof. Um, There was a lot of brands, a lot of companies being called out at the time and a lot of aching hearts. And I I realized that there was just a lot of energy going into such a dark space. Like these are companies that were established, not, they weren't established for us, you know? And that's, that's not an excuse, but what if we took the same energy you know, that we're putting into these companies or into calling out negativity. What if we poured it back into what we're creating, poured it yeah. back into the designers that are actually creating cool, cool things. Um, so I started yeah. an Instagram called Black on Everything. And I actually was finding so many beautiful things that I was like, there is no way I can keep this to myself because initially yeah. the page was private. Okay. And I just, I mean, I think about three posts in, I started posting and I was like, I should, I should just share it. Like whatever yeah. happens, I should just share it. I shared it and it went from, you know, 10,000 followers, 20,000 followers, and we 30, yes. 60, 100. And it's yeah. like, okay, now how do we scale away from this platform? How do we scale away yeah. from just Instagram? Because Yeah, and make it real. It shuts down, you know, yeah. if Mark Zuckerberg is just like, wants to pull the plug on it. Imagine. <laughs> I often think about that with a lot of things. I'm like, if That's it goes, you got to make it you real. You have to have you? your own, your own, yeah, people have to be able to find you. So... You know, I thought it could just be cool to have a marketplace. And then you don't know how long the trend of supporting black business was going to was going to last. So how could we become a fixture for people to always come and know where to find what's cool? Like to see our kind of first group of creators on the site, like they're now in department stores and you know, and they're just, it's like their the business is really moving for them. Yeah. Now I'm kind of intrigued to, yeah, like how can we even create, like what's now, who's the second group? Like yeah. who's the next group? It's incredible to be part of that. Yeah. And then in the same breath, like working along, like with Black Owned Everything or even in, in my own work as a stylist, tapping into independent designers, you know, and smaller brands has always been empowering for me. Yeah. And I think always a good look for the client and and the way that we've watched some of these these designers come up, one girl, um, Sarah Diorf, she does Tungoro. We talk, and she's a designer out of Dakar, out of Senegal. And I put her items on a client. 
twice in one yeah. year. She went from employing seven people to employing 50 people. Wow. And because she started to do that much business and yeah. how the trajectory of her business then shifted. Because to me, it's not about how my life can change, but it's like, how are, how is it affecting others around me? Yeah. You know, and how are those branches kind of growing and reaching out? And that then is like, becomes immeasurable because how many families have you, you know, is that? Yeah. And like, how many, you know, so it's just, it's just so kind of crazy to think about and something as simple as maybe just not going with the big French house that day, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. And it's things that are affordable, that, you know, it's like it's things that are affordable to other people that are accessible, you know, so not everything's out of reach. Um, you know, it's just like an interesting life cycle in, in the fashion realm. It's like small businesses and helping small businesses, but helping businesses that would never had any light on them and you being able to bring them to a platform for people to see. It's it's life changing. It's actually really incredible. Like it's an incredible thing that you have done there to set up that it's like you should be so proud yeah it it was just interesting to watch like okay I may be looking at a girl who makes a dress and she has 300 followers right maybe her Mm -hmm. page is not aesthetically pleasing yeah and then I have this other item over here and their photography is great I can take this one picture from this dress put it next to this vase and next to this shoe and now you want that dress yeah. And now it doesn't matter what her page looks like. No. And because you've already decided that you want that dress. Yeah. You know, and now you're going going to support this girl. So it's just it's just interesting yeah. how we can kind of blur the lines of luxury, you know, and, and just kind of open your eyes to to what's out there, you know, because also at the end of the day, we don't want to all buy the same stuff, you know, no. so it's like you can kind of be finding finding new cool things. It's been challenging because these companies are very, are still small businesses and independent yeah. businesses and they operate yeah. as such. And we've become a society that we're so used to. I mean, I'm on Amazon. I know. And you and click right. and you want it now. And yeah. you click it and it's going to show up to Ken. But can it you, come tomorrow? I know you, you know, want it like it's now. Like, sometimes they, you know, then have to make it. And then, you know, so, um, so it's been an interesting experience. So through that, I also did, launched a foundation. Oh, wow. Um, because I saw, you know, so many business owners just kind of not knowing what they're doing. And even myself yeah. as a starting yeah, a marketplace, I don't think I really planned on being a retailer like that, you know? No, so it's no. like, um, no. you know, so, so a foundation, Acres and Acres Foundation to help, whether it's like, you know, financial, financial consulting and education yeah. or like business planning and structure and things like that. And then like helping kids in the community, you know, whether it's like, you know, how to handle your credit, you know. And, yeah, and yeah. Stuff oh, like it's that. amazing because so like, there's things we don't know. Do you know what I mean? I love that you've done all of that. You've also styled Black is King. You've won the Emmy. There's a lot going on in your world. There is a lot, a lot going, going on. on. And that's why I'm just sitting here because I'm like, I just need to sit for a second. And just like, I don't even know if I want to recount. I just want to sit and enjoy That's okay. You can do life, You're allowed right? to take a breath. You're allowed. Can I ask though, because a lot of people would be listening to this and they think of what you do and how... I mean, smoke and mirrors, how amazing it is. It's like you're styling amazing people. You're working with amazing brands. What are some of the sacrifices that people don't see what you're doing behind the scenes? I've sacrificed a lot of my own time. You know, time is something you can't get back. And I've given a lot of time to my career. Yep. 
and, you know, just trying to do the work. Um, and I think recently I just kind of stopped and, and looked up and I'm like, okay, I want to enjoy more of my time yeah. now. I want to travel a little bit yeah. more. I don't want to, I'm known as like the hustler. She's always busy, but that doesn't equal luxury, you know, to me. Agreed. That's not feeling very luxurious anymore. No, it's sitting, can I tell you, it's sitting in your lounge room and sorting out your kitchen cupboards is the luxury. I feel like it's, it's like, it's so random, but it's so true. It is. <laughs> I was supposed to travel for the, for the holiday. And I was like, I was going to go to Africa, go to Ghana, go to, yeah. you know, Dakar. And I'm like, I just, I'm having a really fun time purging my entire house, like reorganizing yeah. all of my kitchen yeah. cabinets, every single drawer. <laughs> Where do I want this lamp here? Like, you know, and just resetting my space to yeah. feel comfortable, you know, and I was home for like two weeks and it didn't seem like enough. No. And I decided to stay home. I like that though. I, there's something that a lot of people, especially women, suffer from, and it's called imposter syndrome, oh. where we think we can't do what? it. Yeah, that is every day. <laughs> I wanted to ask you: Do you ever have that? I do, I do. <laughs> but you know what? I've been thinking about that a lot lately because I don't see myself. Like people will say, "Oh my god, you're an icon." Or, I mean, yeah. I'm a person, you know. And like it's, we have things today, and we can just not have them tomorrow. And yeah, it's true. as simple as that. You're like here, you're in, and then you're out. You know, true, but but that Emmy's not going anywhere. I'm just going to say that Emmy's yours. Okay. That Emmy's yours for the rest of your life. So, uh, I was like, can we get another one? Like, I don't know. So, um, so to to answer that your question, I do feel that way often, and there is always a lot of doubt. I try to move through the fear and not operate through the fear yeah. part. You know, I can conquer yeah. the, that usually. But sometimes the doubt creeps in and that's when that one to me is a little bit more dangerous. Yeah. You know, where it's just like, am I really doing it? Yeah. Am I faking it until I make it? Like, I know. And then you're like, at what point does the light bulb go off and you're like, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, or yeah, like I've made it. Or like, you know, you. Yeah. Like right now I've, I'm, I'm kind of transitioning more into the film television yes. space and wanting to like develop characters. And it's just I was gonna ask you about really that. exciting. What's next? What is next? Yeah. What are you working on? What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, that's like, I'm, you know, in conversation to do things like yeah. different films. I'm talking about through, through a pilot right now, another like theater thing, um, a really fun new TV show. Wow. And like things like that that are like culturally relevant and that yeah. still have a stamp and a mark in time yeah. in history, I think are, are really fascinating. Yeah. I was able to to play a lot in the design space, whether it's like through Macy's, my collaboration with Macy's yeah. and things like that. But I want to maybe test out a few things on my own this year. Um, like what if I came up with five silhouettes or, f or five yeah. prints, yeah. you know, and yeah. just like whatever, like set. So I don't know. So I'm just like, where I kind of that's exciting things. yeah I love that you say it so casually and it's like it's actually so <laughs> like crazy cool and the fact that you like can do it is even cooler like come on <laughs> if somebody right now is listening to this podcast and wants to start their journey themselves or they want to strive to achieve success or have a career like yours what's some tips how do they do it um, I would say just start, you know, like mm -hmm. if you if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. 
If you can't walk, then crawl. You have to start the forward movement and the motion. There's no one path to success, right? There's no one way. There's no formula. I know people that never assisted another stylist. And then I assisted, you know, a number of stylists and trying to yeah. learn the business. Um, I, in my opinion, I would say learn as much as you can, learn as much as you can on other people's dimes, you know, yeah. under the umbrellas of other yes. companies. Yeah. That was my goal and mission as I learned to make my mistakes. Yeah. But don't be afraid to take a risk, you know, risk taking is for every sacrifice, there's a, a reward. That's true. I love that. Serena, thank you so much for this chat. I actually can't believe that I'm talking to the woman that put the hat on Beyonce and isn't an Emmy Award winner, which is just amazing. I mean, I always grew up with fashion being such a huge part of my life and storytelling. And I think you're somebody that has done that, you know, like you have done that storytelling through fashion and styling so beautifully and so wonderfully. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Sliding Doors is hosted by me, Elle Ferguson. Producer, Tina Matalov. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. Listener.